0: grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, If you've been away for the summer or if this is your first time uh, visiting with us today, you may not be aware that during the summer we're in a sermon series in which we're reviewing our basic Lutheran Christian teachings and beliefs. And uh, to help us with that, we're making use of some videos provided by Lutheran Hour Ministries, uh, featuring as guest speaker the speaker of the Lutheran Hour, Pastor Craig Seltz. Today's topic is, Who is the Holy Spirit? And so I invite you, to, if you would, uh, watch the opening video, please.
1: You know, I get to introduce myself to people every day. I tell them my name, and then I tell them a little bit about what I do. There's really no other way to identify myself. I do a certain kind of work. I'm a husband, a father, I'm a runner, I'm a bit of a car buff, too. And that's one of the biggest questions about who God is. Who is he? Who is this mysterious almighty being? A good way to answer the question is by talking about what he does. But grasping the nature of God is a little bit like trying to understand how my cell phone works. You know, I know I can touch the screen and it works. I can take pictures and watch videos, but I have no idea how it works internally. But I do know one thing. I know what the phone does. In a similar way, there's no way of us completely comprehending God, His eternity and majesty, His complete knowledge and power. But by describing Himself in the Bible, God has revealed to us what He does and how He impacts our lives. That brings us to the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit reminds me of a feature on some cars. I'm talking about something called OnStar. If you're driving one of these automobiles today and you happen to get lost, all you have to do is press a little button on the rearview mirror and the voice of a friendly operator will come on the line to help you out. If you get into an accident, you don't even have to press the button. The OnStar operator will call 911 and notify first responders of your location. You can even call the OnStar operator to make a restaurant reservation and get tickets for a musical. Now, I know the analogy breaks down a little bit there, but I think you get the idea. The Holy Spirit is God who is with you always. You understand, of course, that the Holy Spirit isn't a concierge service in the sky, but He is the presence of God with us. And that personal presence of God does some amazing things. By the power of God's Word, the Holy Spirit changes hearts and changes lives. In John chapter three, a man named Nicodemus came to Jesus with questions. He wanted to know more about God. So Jesus said to him, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus replied, How can a man be born when he's old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus made it clear that the Holy Spirit gives you new birth, new life, a new beginning. The water reference in Jesus' words points to baptism. You see, the Holy Spirit works through means or tools. The Bible tells us that he works through the water of baptism and through the words of the Bible. The Holy Spirit brings the forgiveness of sin through these means, which we call the means of grace. He also empowers the forgiveness that comes through communion or what is called the Lord's Supper. The Apostle Paul even said, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther, the church reformer said, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. If you say you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, The Holy Spirit caused that. You've got the Holy Spirit working with His tools in your life right now. The Holy Spirit is also called the Sanctifier. In other words, He purifies you from sin, helping you to live each day as a child of God. You know, just as healthy trees bear healthy and nourishing fruit, the Holy Spirit causes your life to bear what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit is the one who gathers believers together in what is also called the church. Just as there is a beautiful unity in the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gathers believers together to worship, to encourage one another, to reflect the loving unity of God, and to share that gift of God's love with the world church isn't a building, it's people. People brought to faith in Christ by the Holy Spirit and gathered together by the Spirit to serve God. The Holy Spirit will always be mysterious to us. We may not fully understand who He is, but there is no doubt that we see Him and what He does in our lives.
0: In your bulletin, there is the green insert... With the announcements on one side, but on the other side, inside, is an outline for the message this morning. You might want to grab a pen or a pencil. There are some blanks to fill in as we go if you would like to. I use that to follow along this morning. As we're asking the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, this is going to be more of a teaching sermon, a teaching style, rather than the typical homiletical style sermon. Uh, and when we talk about the Holy Spirit, of course, we're, we. We reiterate what the Bible says, that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of what we call the Trinity, the three-in-one God. But the Holy Spirit is somewhat mysterious. And so as Pastor Seltz recommended it, it's it's helpful to talk about the Holy Spirit in terms of what he does. We see him in what he does in our lives. So my focus today is to, to ask, what are the jobs of the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Let's start off, the chief and primary work of the Holy Spirit is to create and sustain faith through the gospel. The Holy Spirit is the one that creates faith in the heart of a person, plants it there, sustains that faith, and he does it through the gospel message, the message about Jesus and his love for us. As was mentioned on the video, 1 Corinthians 12, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that creates and plants faith in the heart of someone so that they can say, I believe in Jesus. He is Lord. And the Spirit does that through the gospel message. As Paul writes to the Thessalonians, He called you to this through our gospel. The Spirit calls us into faith through the gospel. Romans 10, verse 17, Paul tells us, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. As that message about Jesus dying on the cross and rising again to forgive sins, as that wonderful good news message is heard, is shared, is read, is communicated in some way, it's powerful and effective and the Spirit uses it to lead people to faith. Along with giving the gift of faith, the Holy Spirit has another job. He gives the gift of new life. We heard about this in that gospel lesson for today in John chapter 3 where Jesus is conversing with Nicodemus of the, the Jewish council. Nicodemus comes to him at night. I like to call him Nick at night. It's a bad joke. So. <laughs> with, a quest- with questions, religious questions. And Jesus says something rather profound to Nicodemus. He says, you must be born again. And of course, Nicodemus is confused by this. He, he's thinking physical birth. How can a man be, enter his mother's womb and be born again? But Jesus is talking about a spiritual birth. A birth that only God, the Holy Spirit, can give. I think it's interesting that the New Testament Greek word for again also means from above. The word is anothen. You must be born anothen. That is, you must be born from above. This new life, this new birth, comes from heaven, from above, from God, from the Holy Spirit who creates this new life within us. When we take a look at the word spirit, it's a rather interesting word. In the Old Testament Hebrew, the word is ruach, ruach. In Greek, the New Testament Greek, the word is pneuma. Both of those mean spirit, but they also can be translated in a variety of ways depending on the context in which the word is being used. Both of those words mean air, wind, breath, or spirit, depending on how they're used in context. Jesus uses the word pneuma two different ways in that gospel lesson for today. He talks about the natural wind that blows where it pleases. The word is pneuma. But he uses that as an illustration of the holy pneuma, the Holy Spirit. And you see, it's the Holy Spirit who breathes new life into people. We call that regeneration. He takes someone who's spiritually dead and makes them alive. He regenerates their hearts. Now, according to Jesus in that story in John 3, this new life from the Holy Spirit is actually necessary for a person to enter the kingdom of God. You can't get in without it. It's necessary. Why is this new birth, this new life, necessary for entering the kingdom of God? Well, the reason is because all people are born with three basic spiritual problems. Let's enumerate these three. We're not going to read the Bible passages that discuss each one of these. This is your homework for the week. I want you to take these passages and study these this week as you go deeper this week on uh, this morning's message. But the three basic problems everybody is born with is, first of all, they are born spiritually dead. And they cannot make themselves alive. This coming Wednesday... I, along with a number of our school and church staff, are going to take our CPR and first aid training. It's, it's time for me to renew my CPR certification. Uh, after two years, it expires. And you know, when you, when you apply CPR, you are basically breathing, new, breathing life into a dead person. Literally, physically, breathing life into someone. The Holy Spirit, breathes new spiritual life into spiritually dead people. Oh yeah, there are people who are physically alive, but they're very spiritually dead and they need the new birth that only the Holy Spirit can give. Secondly, the reason we need this new life is that people are born spiritually blind. People come into this world not really seeing and knowing what is true in, in terms of things eternal. They don't get it. And until the Holy Spirit puts new life in them, they won't get it. That's why it is so critically important, you see, that we be willing to share the message, to give the Spirit opportunity to breathe new life into someone else, that they can truly see what it's all about. And the third problem people are born with is that they're born as enemies of God. We are not born neutral. In fact, we're not even born with a positive view of God. We come into this world with a radically self-centered, sinful nature that is opposed to the things of God. And until that changes, we're on a path to hell. People need the new birth because they're spiritually dead, blind, and enemies of God. But what I want you to understand is that this new birth undoes all three of those things don't you love that button on your computer <laughs> that undo button you know when you make mistakes and you push undo and it recorrects it the new life that the spirit gives undoes those three problems of ours when the spirit breathes new life into us first of all it makes us spiritually alive where we once were dead secondly it gives us spiritual sight to see the light of God's love in Christ Jesus. We finally get it. We're enlightened by the Spirit as to what is real and what is really true, not, about, not only about this life, but about the life beyond. And thirdly, the new life in Christ makes us friends of God again. It reconciles us with God when we come to understand that Jesus Christ died on that cross for me, that he rose from the dead for me, and that through faith in him I am saved, I'm made a friend of God, you see. That's why we need the new life. And the Holy Spirit brings us this new life, this new birth, through the gospel, through the good news message. By the way, every time you read in your English New Testament, the word gospel, the Greek word behind that word is euangelion. Eu means good, "angelion" means message or news. It's the good news, the euangelion, the gospel, the good news. The good news about Jesus Christ who loves us, who died for us and rose again for our salvation. It's that message that transforms people's hearts and lives. It's that message through which the Holy Spirit brings us this new birth, breathes this new life into our souls. This is what Peter was writing about in his first letter when he wrote, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. The Holy Spirit plants this seed of the gospel in the heart of a person, And the person becomes born anew. The new life is given. Peter uses that analogy of a seed. It's a beautiful seed. Well, we need to understand that that seed of the gospel can be planted in us actually in a a variety of ways. The good news of Jesus comes to people in a variety of ways. It might be spoken and they hear it. As you share the message with your friend, it might be they read it for themselves in the the Bible, and the Spirit uses that written word to change their hearts, or it might come in a tangible form, yes, a tangible form, like baptism, which is really just the gospel connected to water, and the Spirit uses that to transform a life. Or the Lord's Supper, which is the gospel connected to bread and wine through which Jesus gives us his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. We call those the means of grace, as Pastor Seltz referred to them. And through those means of the gospel, baptism, and the Lord's Supper, the Holy Spirit brings us the forgiveness of sins that was won for us by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. We're going to come back to the means of grace a little bit later about making use of those. But let's go on to something else that the Holy Spirit does. After a person believes in Jesus, after a person comes to faith, the Holy Spirit has another job. And that is to help that person grow in godliness and holy living. Grow in godliness and holy living. We call that the process of sanctification, of being more and more made in the image of Christ. In other words, the Holy Spirit has the job of taking us who believe in Jesus and making us better and better people, of making us reflect more and more the life of Jesus in the way we live our life. And so in this aspect of our Christian life, we are to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and strive to live our life in line with what the Spirit teaches us. It's the Holy Spirit who wants to produce in our Christian life what are called the fruit of the Spirit. Paul describes them in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the kinds of things we ought to be seeing in the lives of believers in in Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is active in our life. Paul writes to the Ephesians that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, as Christians, we are being shaped and molded by God, by the Holy Spirit, into the image of Christ so that more and more we reflect Christ in all that we do. No, we don't do good works to earn heaven. We already have heaven. But now that we have heaven, how should we live life on earth? We live it in line with the Spirit who helps us to produce the good works of faith. This next verse is not in your outline, but it was in the epistle lesson for today where Paul wrote to the Galatians, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Think about that. Since we've been made alive by the Holy Spirit, since we've been born again by the Holy Spirit, since we've been given eternal life by the Holy Spirit... Shouldn't we live our life in line, in step with what the Spirit is teaching us in his word? Shouldn't we align our behavior, our actions, our speech, our thoughts, everything we do with what the Spirit shows us in his word? There's another job the Holy Spirit has. You may not even be aware that he does this. Did you know the Holy Spirit prays for you to God the Father? The Holy Spirit intercedes for us, bringing our needs to God the Father. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. You know, we're befuddled. I don't even know how to pray. I've had a number of people who are caring for their uh, dying relative. And they'll say sometimes, I don't know what to pray. Should I pray that God heals him? Or should I pray that God takes him to heaven? I don't even know how to pray. And look what St. Paul says about what the Spirit does when we don't know what to pray. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Whatever is going on in the inner core of your life, the Holy Spirit gets that, and he takes your needs to the throne of the Father of grace who hears it, who cares about it, and who responds in love and mercy. To know that the Holy Spirit is always praying on our behalf is truly comforting. Another thing the Spirit does is, is that he is the teacher of spiritual truth. The Holy Spirit teaches us the truths of God through his word, serving as our counselor and our guide. He is the teacher. Jesus explained this to his disciples uh, before he left them and when he was promising that he was going to send the Spirit very soon. In John 14 and 16, Jesus said, The counselor, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. One of the things that this means, friends, is that whenever you are about to read or study your Bible, I want to encourage you to just pray this simple little prayer. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what I'm about to read. He is the teacher. He is the counselor and the guide who will make those words meaningful and understandable so that we can apply them to our lives. He's the counselor who will come alongside us and apply the words of grace to our own hurts. He is the guide who will lead us in how we are to live our daily life based on those words that he teaches us. It means, of course, we need to spend time in the word that he might teach us. And then finally, The final job that uh, we're going to look at this morning is that the Spirit gives special gifts to believers. And these gifts from the Holy Spirit are to be used for the good of the whole body of Christ, the church. The challenge is to discover what are my spiritual gifts. The Bible makes it clear every Christian has received at least one, if not more than one, spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit. By the way, Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 provide some lists of what some of those spiritual gifts are. Perhaps you have the gift of mercy, that special capacity to show care and compassion to people who are hurting. Maybe you have the gift of teaching, the gift of leadership or administration, or one of the other gifts mentioned. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? We'd like to help you discover what they are so that you can then put them into use in the life of the church for the good of all. We do have a little spiritual gifts inventory tool. If you would like to make use of that, contact us in the church office. We'll get that to you. We are going to be having an emphasis on discovering our spiritual gifts uh, later in the program year. But do you know what yours are and how might you put them into use? Saint Paul excuse me Saint Peter in his first letter exhorts all of us to use them he said each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering god's grace in its various forms whatever your gift is the spirit has given it for serving other people well the spirit has given us an awful lot of blessings hasn't he i want to go back to something mentioned earlier the word and the sacraments The Holy Spirit has promised to be always actively working through those means of grace. Could he operate outside of those means of grace? Sure, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. But we don't have the promise that he always will work outside of the means. We do have the promise, however, that he is always actively working through the word of God, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. And so, friends, I want to exhort all of us to make use of, on a regular basis, these wonderful resources that we have at our fingertips through which the Holy Spirit is active. We need to make use of God's Word to read and study it privately and in groups that we might continue to grow in our understanding of God's will for us. We need to remind ourselves every day that we are baptized children of God, that as we confess our daily sins to God, we remind ourselves, ah, but... I am baptized. That means I'm a forgiven, washed clean child of God with the spirit dwelling in me and I can live for his glory. And thirdly, we need to make use of the Lord's Supper every time that it's made available because in that bread and wine we receive the very body and blood of Christ in a miraculous way present there for the forgiveness of our sins. It truly is a gift from God. May the Holy Spirit continue to be poured into each of our hearts and lives in mighty ways that God may use us for his glory and may our prayer for today be the words of that famous hymn. O Holy Spirit, enter in and in our hearts your work begin. Your dwelling place now make us. May your heart be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Amen. And may the